Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Let's go back to 2011 and look at the World Cup with Squidge. Let's go back to 2011 and look at the World Cup with Squidge. Hello and welcome to the Squidge Rugby World Cup Retrospective Podcast. Today is the most sumptuous rugby in all of rugby. It's the Canada against the France. What I was doing there was an impression of the cheapest wine advert of all time which was ironically for a really expensive wine they were advertising during this World Cup. And I've now seen this advert a few times. And it's, honestly, I could have put that wine advert together in about 10 minutes, maybe 15. If they if they told me the font they wanted, I could have made it in moments. So just to clarify, on this wine advert, mm. they were saying, welcome to the Squidge Rugby World Cup retrospective. Yes. And that's where we got yeah. the name of this podcast from. I was going to say, I was hoping you wouldn't bring that up because our lawyers may be in touch. Sure. Because we did steal it directly from a wine advert from 20 Yeah, we have so many lawyers on this podcast as well. Like, we always have them just sat Constant. in the back of the room. Constant, yeah. That, that's all of our guests today. Yeah, um, yeah. We have, we have as well as joining myself, Robbie Squidge, whoever you want to call me, and... Will Owen. Yeah. Yeah. As well, we also have 18 lawyers yeah. and Carly Rae Jepsen yes, joining us do. today. Yes, as promised. We promised this on Canada's last game Well, that we would have Carly Rae Jepsen join in us. In fact, we promised we'd have another guest who isn't Carly Rae Jepsen, but really we're just throwing everyone off when we said we, that. We've got, we, we do, it's the lawyers. Yeah, we've oh, got of, course, lawyers here. of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. We've got the 18 lawyers, yeah. yeah. They, they've been off having like a game of touch, which is officially legal yeah. by now, uh, yeah. according to the RFU. They were going to have a full contact game, but they didn't have anyone to play against, so it was 15 on Other three. Other than Carly Rae. So, Carly Rae's part of the podcast, she's here. Yeah, I know, she's, she's I mean. I want, like, I feel we haven't given a big enough introduction as possibly the greatest pop music writer of her generation, an absolute icon, and the writer of Endless Bangers, as well as the performer of Endless Bangers. Uh, yeah, as I said, genuinely, genuinely an icon and a hero of Canada, uh, Carly Rae Jepsen, who told me that she knows nothing about rugby, so doesn't okay. really want to talk about things she doesn't yeah. know much about. But she's here, she's in the call. I can see her, she's smiling very broadly. Yeah, right exactly, now. exactly. And I asked if. She'd come on the podcast and you say, "Well, I, I can't, yeah. I can't get there in time." And I said, "That's okay. Call me, maybe." I just hate you. I just, I really, really, really hate you. <laughs> um, I, 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 I. I don't want to do this podcast anymore. Okay. I want to, I want to, it's like, you're the feeling I'm going to cut you. Should we, um, should we just put this out as a three minute episode? <laughs> yeah, we're done. We don't even mention the game. No. We just, we just go, God, I, we talk about I can't, I can't stand that. Wine, which is French and Kylo Ray Jepsen, which is Canadian. So which of those two yeah. would win? Hey, hey, we're not, we're not very dedicated. 
which was the name Shut of the up. most recent album. Which of those two would win in a rugby match? What, Carly Rae Jepsen or... Or Wine. Or Wine. <laughs> um, wine. You reckon? Because wine. if Carly Rae Jepsen drank it, yeah, she'd lose some level of coordination. Depending on how much wine there is, I guess. And how many Carly Rae Jepsons as well. If we've got 18 Carly Rae Jepsons and 18 lawyers, who would win? Um, Carly Rae Jepsen. If, if one of the lawyers was Alan Wynne-Jones, I'd back she's a bit screwed. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Though he hasn't passed the bar, so does he count? He's just got a law. He's got a master's in law. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he qualifies as a lawyer. Okay. If okay. there's a, you made a, like an 18, not 15, because there's 18 players. What we need, pitch, right? What we need is the other seven. We need the other 17 lawyers to try and work out and decide legally whether Alan Wynne Jones is a lawyer. One of those lawyers is Comrade Smith as well, of course. And there's someone, Elliot Thurman, is a qualified lawyer. Is as well. he? Um, Jesus which is Christ, his yeah, clients. I know. I know, can you imagine? Can you imagine rocking up in court with him like a couple of days after he said the thing about a referee being racist? Yeah. Imagine how he treats judges. Oh, he must hate them. And they must hate him, yeah. to be fair. But Yeah, absolutely. My God. I mean, I reckon he's probably pretty convincing, is the thing, mm. at his job. So. Oh, yeah, no, because he's, a, he's, a, he's good at articulating himself. Yeah. He's a bright enough guy, and he clearly knows the law. You've seen him, you know, talk about... He, He's the kind of guy who, when he gets into something, he will learn it inside yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, he becomes be passionate about it. Yeah, yeah. My God, I imagine he's a prosecutor. Yeah, <laughs> you'd imagine. Yeah. Or no, because he's always in the corner of the little guy, isn't he? You know, he's a he's a big fan of just like if he sees everyone, you know, if he sees the entire rest of the Samoan squad beating one lad up, he goes and defends that one lad. True. True. But he's the kind of... I think a, part, a large part of it is just because he likes being contrary. Yeah. But... That's fair. Do you think that's it? When he, he just decided to take a you know a career as a prosecutor just so he could disagree with everyone else in the room? <laughs> Do you think he just takes whichever side of the case is wrong? Yeah, yeah I think so. So if the client's guilty, he takes... Yeah. He becomes suddenly the, 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 the defense attorney. Yeah. And he's got a 0% record. And every time, you know, he shakes the client's hand at the end and goes, well, I really thought we had it for you. Yeah, so you know it's a good clean game. Really, if the judge wasn't so racist, yeah. we'd have been fine. Yeah. Anyway, sure, France against yeah. Canada. <laughs> France against Canada in the 2011 Rugby World Cup. Uh, game finished 46-19, but I don't think that's a fair reflection Did it? of Canada. Yeah, it finished 46-19. 46-19. Yeah. Basically, though, uh, the way the game goes is it was really competitive both halves for 35 minutes. And then right before half-time in the first half, Canada gave away four penalties in as many minutes and France kicked three of them. Yeah. And in the second half, they then gave away three tries. In the, no, one try is on about 60-odd minutes. Yeah. And then they gave away two tries in the last two minutes. In fact, I think it was later than that. I think it was about 70 minutes and the last two were literally in the 79th and 80th minute. But like, in, mm. at the end of the last episode, you described, tries this, on 65. you described this game as being bullshit. And I totally yes. agree with that. Like, it's completely different to quite how I remember it. Because I remember it for... The fact that four minutes into the game, mm. France scored the world's worst try via Vincent Clair, and then three yeah. minutes later, Canada scored the exact same try. So this is the interest. So uh, just talk about the Vincent Clair, the first Vincent sure. Clair try for a bit. Basically, what happens is France get into the Canadian or just outside the Canadian twenty-two, and they punch away for a few phases, and then Francois Trandouk at ten hangs a high ball completely pointlessly. Yeah. I mean, it's raining. It's not a nice night to be a fullback. But he he hangs this really pointless-looking high ball that isn't really near the line. Like, 
even if Claire had taken it on the fall, had regathered it, he wasn't scoring. And for the record, like it's a, you say it's a pointless kick. Can we also just address, it's a dreadful kick as well. Yes. It goes about yeah. five metres forward and ten metres to the right-hand side. Like It's a yeah. rubbish kick. It's a bad option and it's executed badly. Yeah. However, there's this sort of fumble as like two Canadians and one of the French players go up for the ball. Yeah. And all of them just kind of take each other out and the ball just lands in Van Claire's hands who dives over from two yards out. Something like that. Next to the posts. Yeah, yeah he just kind of... The ball lands in his hand and he goes, oh, thank you. You know, it's, it's like it's like the end of Hamlet. You know, everyone takes each other out and then Van Claire turns up and is king. Sure, yeah. And yeah. then, yeah, three minutes in. We are only seven minutes into this game. And then Ander Monroe just kind of... No, 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 no. So you've skipped something. Okay. You've skipped something. So Canada kick long from the restart. Right, uh, having gone seven nil down, and Francois Chanduk takes the ball in his own twenty-two and goes, "Well, this worked well for me at the other end," and hangs an almost identical kick from his own twenty-two, which goes absolutely nowhere. It's an even worse kick than the last one, and it's regathered by Canada, of course. who work a few phases, and then Andy Munro goes, "Well." They got mixed results out of this one. I've just seen this can go one of two directions. So he does exactly the same thing. He just hangs his completely pointless high ball. Yeah. And then it looks like Damien Try lifts GTH. Like, yeah. like it's a line out. And there's basically three players. There's two French and one Canadian. Again, all just get completely muddled. Jump for the ball in completely mm. different directions and can't quite tell where it goes. And it just kind of bounces and lands on the try line. And Ryan Smith, the Canadian inside centre, then just kind of drops it and goes, oh, did I score? No, yeah, because about four Canadian players go for it. And they're yeah. like, the ball's over the line. Just dive, everyone diving. Everyone diving everywhere. And then everyone keeps missing it. And Smith just walks over and picks it up and dots it down. <laughs> in this, again, like the end of Hamlet, him just walking in and being like, oh, this is chaos. I'm just going to just gonna score a try here. Yeah, yeah. Just really casually. Uh, Monroe's kick was considerably better than Tranduke's. Safe to say, mm. because there was actually yeah, yeah. a degree of this will maybe put the fullback under pressure. But my god, like, how did nobody take that kick? How did that result in a try? That, that's at least the first one. I don't know if the wind catches it or something. No idea. But it isn't the kick anyone's expecting. No. Like it lands in a different place. It's a bit like the um, the Will uh, Tupu try. Yeah, um, uh, kick in the World Cup. Yeah, for Golanitsky. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So Helu misjudges it because he's expecting a better kick. Yeah. Uh, so this is the opening try in the World Cup last year. Yeah. Just Golanitsky finishes. Artemyev puts in a rubbish kick. And if he put in a good kick, Tupu would have covered it yeah. entirely fine. But instead, it's a bad kick, so he has to readjust. And I think there's an element of that to the first try by France. Yeah. Because they kind of go, you have the two Canadians in the backfield kind of go. Yeah, they're expecting a better oh, kick. What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, it's a nominally, you know, fly off his points of world class performance in the Six Nations. Sure. And it, now his jersey's under pressure, as Martin Gilliam on commentary keeps telling us. Yeah. Yeah. They're under pressure to put Morgan Power in at 10, which would be a stupid idea if they did it. My God, I don't <laughs> think it would stick. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you know, there's, there's no one, not even France, are that daft to do it next game against the All Blacks. Yeah. Never mind in the World Cup final, nope. when he's played one game there of professional rugby. Previously. It's fine, though, because they've called in some backup to play in the halfbacks as well, in Jean-Marc Dusan. Mm. And, you know, we'll see what happens to him throughout this tournament. They've got plenty yeah. of time to blood him in. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. worry about we, him later. We, well, look, it's not like he's going to make his first cap in the World no, Cup. No, they've got plenty of games to That's not. That's fine. That's not They've happening. got loads That's of time. Fine. It's worth touching on the teams. Sure. Because this is... <laughs> it's even worse than that. This is a really strong French team. Yeah. They've not got Dusatoire. Which explains no. them going to pop. 
But otherwise... So all the players that aren't playing from the first team are players where they've got a really solid yeah. international standard replacement. Yeah. So you have uh, Redding Rougerie moves from 13 to the wing. Yeah. He's captain. Meaning Maxi Maynard drops to the bench. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you then have David Marty and Maximum Moz come in the centre. And I've forgotten how good David Marty yeah, was. Yeah, he was pretty good, wasn't he? He was balanced. He was a great yeah. player. Yeah. And um, so and he makes his one little break. He worked well with Moz as well. Obviously, yes. they Perpignan together. Yeah, exactly. So they make sense as a partnership yeah, to come absolutely. in. Absolutely. Yeah, and far more sense than Andreas de Hazel, who they had in. Not Andreas de Hazel. <laughs> they had Andreas de um, Hazel. Fabian, es- Fabian Fabrice um, Estebanez. Estebanez. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's a very Andreas good Andreas de Hazel, yeah. They're both big. They're similar built lads with names beginning in Est. Sure. Anyway, so, yeah. They bring in Mamos and Marty, and in the back row they bring in Fufu Odrago, who is a very good player yeah. for Deuce Yeah. And you've got to rest Deuce somewhere, because at some point... He might tire because apparently it's possible. Can we just so quickly talk about the fact they had Roman Milosevic starting in the second row for them? Yeah, I didn't notice that until I was looking at the lineups. Now, when I was watching the game, I did. I not didn't realize. notice him. And no, Milosevic was playing. I don't remember really him doing anything for France at any point, other than just no. be a fat lad. <laughs> like I knew he played for France, but I don't remember anything he did in any no, of those games. Me neither. This was his last cap for France. Wow, France. Okay. Okay. So he played against Ireland in the Six Nations that oh in a World Cup warm up that year. Right. He played against Australia and Fiji the previous autumn. Right. And basically he'd come in and play like two games a year. Uh no, he won most of the caps in two thousand and nine. Okay. He played consistently in two thousand and nine and then twenty ten, twenty eleven, two thousand and eight. <sighs> right. He won his first cap in two thousand and five. Right. He then didn't play again to two thousand and eight, so three year of absence. Then was consistently in the team through the autumn of two thousand and eight through to the end of 2009. Right. Then fell out the team completely, won a handful of caps off the bench between there and the World Cup, where he goes and plays one game against Canada, where he's a bit shit. Yeah, just anonymous, isn't he? Yeah. And, of course, when you've got Milosevic being anonymous in the second row, doing the old Ben McCarman role, it's a good thing that he has a nice, disciplined second row alongside him in Pascal Pape to balance it out. (laughs) When was the last time France had a genuinely disciplined second row? Oh, they, they haven't. They, they just haven't. No. They've had, like, Felix Lombe is a, a singular Yeah, but he's one. Irish. Yeah, he's yeah. definitely Irish. But even then, even then, when I went to see uh, Lyon play Leinster in the RDS right. earlier this yeah. year. Earlier this year! That's that was bad, January! I know, I went to a, an actual rugby match with a crowd. And yeah, he gives away the most cynical dickheadish yellow card in that game. And it's like, oh, I thought I thought he was like the one French forward who isn't a dickhead, but here we are. Yeah, yeah. But no, they, I just don't think they ever will have a, a combination no. of second rows who are both disciplined. Speaking of the rare French forwards who aren't dickheads, mm-hmm. Guillaume Garrado's on the bench. Yes, he is. And he has hair. I had absolutely no recollection he played for France this early. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he was like third choice hooker and he was pretty good at club level at this yeah. point. Never thought he would go and on yeah. to become a captain or anything at this point. It... Turns out he'd been playing for France since 2008, and I had no idea. I, I remember him coming back. in. I thought it was like 2010. So he then doesn't play, at, he comes off the bench in this game, he doesn't play again for France until 2013. Right. And that's when I remember him kind of appearing, you mm. know, being like, oh, he's, he's good. You yeah. know, he's glad they bring off the bench, and then him getting into the first team, I think he's he's good, you know. And then when he became captain, be like, oh, he's brilliant, yeah, yeah, he's incredible. Yeah. 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 yeah no, he, sort of he, slow rise. Like he had hair at this point, you know, spring know. chicken. Strange look at that, <laughs> but yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's just, you know, good to see him. And good to see him in a French team that won some games. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I bet at the time he was really frustrated by this performance. Oh, we would have been. <laughs> Not realising yeah, this is as good as it gets, mate. Yeah. Uh, should we look at the Canadian team as well? Yes. So this is pretty much their first 15. Yeah, it's not too dissimilar from the one that played against Tonga. I'm not sure they've made any changes whatsoever, to be honest. They kept the, the back row of Kleberger, O'Toole and Carpenter, who were brilliant mm. uh, against the Tongans. Of course, coming up against the Wadrago, Bonaire, Pikamon back row, which is a hell of a task. <laughs> but again, they dealt with them very well, I thought. Yeah. And the, the pack as a whole dealt well with them. DTH van der Merve staying in the centre as well, with Hearn and Mackenzie on the wings. Yeah. Pritchard as well. It wasn't an easy day for him, but I think he generally did pretty well. I thought he did really yeah. well. I thought it was pretty yeah, outstanding. For Again, there's a couple of mistakes, but when you're in the rain, in the dark, under a huge amount of pressure by people far bigger than yeah. you, you're going to make, you're going to drop two or three high balls. Yeah. And that was all he dropped, you know? One was for the try, admittedly. Yeah. But I, mean, try made the same I, error, I thought he was so. very good and very assured. Yeah, there's something about James Pritchard's face and body language that I feel he has this kind of like workman's energy about him of someone who's just committed to what he does, and that's being a fullback. Yeah. And, you know, I've said before, they're my favourite kind of players, like workman-like fullbacks yeah. who just kind of are really bog-standard, do the job, and would never... Maybe they got played on the wing once or twice, but they'd never dream of playing in another no, position yeah. given the choice. Yeah. They're my favourite kind yeah. of player. He has played in the... I have a feeling he's played a bit of 10, you know? I think he Richard, has. yeah. But he very much is a fullback, just in terms of the way he's very solid, yeah. So Do you want we're talking about the Canadian team. Do you want some real insight into how the Canadian team were gonna play in this game? Go on. Is this coming from Carly Wright? Uh, she told you this. No, 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 no. This comes from someone else who's very much lived the 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 Hollywood lifestyle, mm-hmm. by which I mean they like cocaine. Um it's Lawrence Delalio. Oh, okay. So this is a clip of Lawrence Delalio talking before the game. This is his insight into the Canadian team. They're renowned for having, you know, some, some wonderful, you know, back play. But it doesn't really look, does it, like the weather for uh, for the backs today? And similar to England, this Canadian team will, you know, similar to Georgia, the Canadian team are strong up front, and you know, the French forwards must really get on top of this game if, uh, if they're to come out. Because having played Canada a few times, you know, they, they've got that ice hockey background, and you know, most of their players would have been brought up, you know, playing ice hockey, and, uh, and they'll be physical and they'll be up for it. And I think that's what that's what the French can bring, bring to the physical. I mean, even before the ice hockey thing, I spent that entire thing wincing at him going. Yeah, uh, they've got they've got forwards, I guess, um, and uh, behind them they might have some backs, maybe or something. Like that. And then he brings up the ice hockey thing. It's like, no, 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 no. They're yeah. not going to bring pucks on. They're not going to bring you know the I... sticks to beat them with. I genuinely couldn't believe he said that. Like it's it's genuine xenophobia. It's yeah. what do I know about Canada? They like ice hockey. Great. I'm surprised Dingo will let their front row the size they are because they drank so much maple yeah. syrup. Yeah, 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 genuinely. Like, it's, it's astounding levels of also, just lack of insight into this team fact, and also just revealing xenophobia. The fact that, if anything, the Canadian stereotype is mm. that they're generally very nice people. Yes. And yet he's gone down the other route of, oh, they play ice hockey and that's quite a physical game, so therefore they must be horrible. And I guess Jamie Cooper yeah. is from there and he's quite <laughs> physical. And I mean, I suppose it makes sense, though, considering in this World Cup, Romania's best player was their hooker, and that does represent what Lawrence Nalio knows about their people. Mm. In you know, it's, allegedly yeah. the the uh, thousands of dollars he spent in a Romanian establishment in the UK. <laughs> of course, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's astounding. 
Yeah, no. And also, how many of these players do have an... I don't think any of them do have an ice hockey background. I'd, I'd be surprised if any... From what I know. I reckon Jeb Sinclair might be might have played ice hockey. That's just a guess. Sure. I'm not... I haven't got anything to base that off. I just reckon he looks like the sort of player who might have at some point played ice hockey. Yeah. Well, I mean, just going through the team, for certain, DT Trandomova grew up in South Africa. Yeah. Um, and moved to Canada as a teenager. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have no ice hockey background. Who else is in there? Ed Fairhurst, I know, doesn't. I know he was like, there's a few players in there who very much talk about. I could see being... Andy Monroe as a, an ice hockey player. I can. I can see that. Maybe Pat Reed. Okay. The only player I'm seeing from a br- very brief research, which frankly is more than what Dialio did, is Brett Beckerboom played really? ice hockey as a teenager and then transitioned into rugby. Oh, that's quite cool. But but it's taken as like a really unusual path, even in Canada. Yeah. That having had a quick look at the story, the sports have nothing in common. I know that's the other thing. Like there's 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 no lineup other than territorial the fact that occasionally you hit sports. people. Yeah, that's basically they're not what territorial. Is. Have you ever watched ice hockey? Like I've been to watch Panthers a few oh, times. Have you? Having grown up, in I've Washington. not done that. Yeah, yeah. I've watched highlights no. of ice hockey on Premier Sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's one of the free things. I exactly. Have. It's that of Spanish football. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Having been to watch ice hockey a few times, it's. The sport it's most like is basketball. Right. In it's this very back and forward, but it's basketball without the actual scoring. Right, okay. In it's constant chances, but no one actually yeah, scores. Okay, yeah. Oh yeah, because they always have massive lads, just units in the way of the, yeah. the goal, so you just can't get in the way. And they always just drop I, and do the splits so you can't score, don't they? I became convinced that the Panthers goalie was a large Scottish woman called Keza. I don't know why I came up with that. No. But even when the player I referred to as Keza left Panthers. I would still refer to any ice hockey goalie as Keza. That's fair enough. Uh, it was a joke I made when I was like fourteen. God, it's and stuck. now I don't stand by it. I don't. Oh. I don't think it's a good joke, but I'm saying it out loud now. Oh well. Everyone else can make that joke now. If only Keza had signed to play in the front row. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think is Keza on the bench for Canada in this game? No, 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 Keza. No, not by the looks of it. Are they? No, no. But yeah, again, good Canada team who are not good because of their ice hockey background. Yeah. And the other thing I think is really interesting about this Canada team, as I say, they were really competitive and really in it and really took it to France for 35 minutes of each half. And if you, you know, if you took out those handful of minutes uh, at 35 minutes on, in the first half, it was 10 all. Yeah. And then Canada give away three penalties that France kick. And again, it was the second half was again quite close. You know, you just had the Damien try try yeah. to separate them with those penalties as well. Even when they were still not, I don't want to say in the game because they always were in the game. Mm. But even when they were locking at ten all, and when they were briefly ahead ten seven, of course, the, the penalties that Canada were given giving away were all so preventable as well. Like yeah. it's so frustrating to look at that because often you look at a tier two team and think, you know, they've done all they can. Which kind of most yeah. for the most part did, but there was a lot of penalties that they just could have gotten away with not doing, like not rolling away. I, right. like this. Yeah, I would take your point had it not been that quite a few of those penalties were given away by Jamie Cudmore. Okay, that's fair enough. Okay, I sit. Like, there was a point in which I was getting quite frustrated with the fact that Canada just kept giving away these really yeah, bad penalties they were. Like, they in were. a row. Yeah, yeah, and it was they were consecutive. Yeah. Like they get into this habit of just giving penalty, 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 and then they'd get out of the habit and they'd continue and they get back into the game. Yeah, and I was really frustrated by this. And then they cut to Jamie Cudmore, as the guy that just gave it away, and he went, "Oh, that makes yeah. sense now. You know, that's yeah. fine. That's he's got a, he's that's got who he is." Quota, hasn't he? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't got a card in this World Cup so far. Yeah. So yeah. you know, he should he should really step up. Yeah. But the other thing I think is really interesting about Canada yeah. is their coach at the time is Kieran Crowley, of course, 
who has since gone on to be fantastic for Ben yeah. Treviso and subsequently Benetton. Yeah. And has done such a good job, got them into the top four of the Pro 14, uh, made them into a real genuine force yeah. as like a good team that deserved to be in the top tier European competition yeah. and are, you know, in the top top half teams, certainly. Yeah. If not top four team consistently in the Pro 14. And is a very good and very smart coach. And he kind of he kind of fits into that Eddie Jones mold. He's not Eddie Jones, obviously, but of coaches who will change their team depending on the personnel. Yeah. And coaches who look at, right, what have I got? Okay, this is how I'm going to make it work. So his Benetton team plays incredibly different to his Canadian yeah. team, who played very different in 2015 to this team. And I think looking at this, I, in fact, I will very strongly disagree with the point Lawrence Daly was making about the Canadians, because mm. I don't think they do have the biggest pack, especially when you compare it to no, the, the French. I think they have a mobile pack who yeah. you don't look at that front five and think set piece, do you? You don't think scrum, certainly. No. Uh, you think they'll they'll bruise you around the park. They're pretty athletic and they can all handle the ball pretty well, actually. And it's, they're all pretty good on the floor. So, if you were to look at that team, right, it's the forward pack is eight players whose best attribute is their work rate. Yeah. Or seven and Jamie Cudmore, who's sure. his, his aggression, yeah. you know, which is which kind of fits into the same moulds, you yeah. know. Yeah, being being angry kind of fits in with being really driven and yeah. working yourself around. And so the way the Canada played was built around that. And the thing I thought was really interesting about their game is how modern their kicking strategy was. Yeah. Was... In their attack wasn't, or nothing else was, but they kicked like a 2019 World well, Cup team. In terms of kicking for territory, yes. There were a few mm. times when Ander Munro suddenly played like he was in the 80s, but we'll get onto that. Sure, but, sure, um, yeah. And, but I think... Even before that, their forward sort of phase shapes, I think, were very modern. Yeah. The way that they sort of split their forwards around the park. Obviously, it wasn't quite today, but they were learning that whole thing about, you know... Do you remember when people used to talk about, oh, they're committing too many men to break down on attack? Like, yeah, Canada yeah. Like, didn't, didn't do that. They were very cautious no. about the way they spread their forwards out and stuff. And obviously, it wasn't a one three three one or whatever, but they were, they were thinking along those lines, and they were getting yeah. there. This, to me, looked like a team who very deliberately thought about how do we get the most out of yeah. our players. Because they knew that you know? the French power fitted in them, and that's fine. Yeah, but they, and bigger, yeah, and more powerful. Exactly. But they managed to keep themselves in the fight for as long as possible. And as I say, like on the bench, there was a nice little distribution of players' sort of personnel picked in the pack. You've got Darla, hmm. who's a very good sevens player. You've got Tyler Hodgson, good line-out forward. Hamilton, yeah. who's maybe a bit more dynamic than Reardon. It's, it's yeah. a very good sort of spread of personnel to bring off the bench yeah, and yeah it's it's a very good use of your pack even if they're not the most talented pack in the world i think they were very well used by crowley so the just to go back to the point i was making about kicking yeah. because there's the thing you said about a they're kicking for territory and b about point the statistics that we don't use anymore there's a stat that comes up towards the end of the game of andy monroe's kicking meters okay and no one talks about kicking meters anymore because we've come to realize it's completely pointless yeah. Because, yes, maybe you kick 80 metres downfield, but generally speaking, it will be covered. Yeah. You know, like that, that just boot downfield is now the most useless kick because you put no pressure on anyone. Yeah. And the opposition has all the time in the world to either choose whether they return or if they've got time to counterattack and weigh up their own options. Yeah. All the kicks nowadays that happen are momentum built rather than possession yeah. or territory built. Because you can yeah. boot the ball straight downfield, but you've got to have a very specific strategy in your chase, such as yeah. Warren Gatland's Wales keeping the ball in play at all times. Exactly. And back, exactly. backing yeah. your fitness and defence. And the sheer height after Cloak were put in it for the Springboks. Yeah. And the fact it was always lay, led on this kind of like two-phase chase. Yeah. The fact that you'd have a Mapimpy or Absolutely. a Colby or a yeah. Am or whoever ch- would chase all out. And then just behind them, you'd always have the Mule and Khaleesi 
and you know the second rows yeah and always just behind waiting and wanting to cover in case they overshot or in case yeah. the ball bounced in case they could just dislodge it and do that and tap back what you've noticed with the Dutoy is that he would almost linger behind and get ready to just join the line at full speed so he could just yeah. straight away bring line speed and force a turnover if they've not got it on mm. first phase which again like yeah this is a completely very specific strategy because Dutoy is a bit of an anomaly and I know yeah oh he, yeah he's a complete anomaly France to France Canada but yeah in terms of that, as you say, like it's very specific the way you need to do it. And in fact, as well, Ed Fairhurst kicked very well as well. There's one did. specific did. point where off a scrum, the... he does a kick that goes about 50 yards end over end and bounces five yards out from French trial. Yeah, it's the best kick you'll see all World Cup from his own half, five metres out from the opposition trial line. You know, they're lined up five metres. And the whole time, Martin Gilling is chatting about cricket instead. <laughs> Didn't mention Nottingham <laughs> at all today. He didn't. He didn't. No, but he did talk plenty about cricket. I wish I'd started that count as well, because he does a lot of that, yeah. just chatting about cricket and said, you know, fair enough, fair enough. I don't, I don't mind, but when there's a phenomenal piece of skill happening in the rugby match you're being paid to commentate on, you know. Yeah. Worth mentioning. Should we talk a bit more about... But sorry, no, just yeah. on the kicking thing, sorry, just that Kieran Crowley accidentally stumbled across what would be the big, the big trend in kicking in, you know, six, seven years' time. Yeah. By looking at his pack, going, they work incredibly hard. How can I get the most out of them? Sure. And how can I keep France from playing? Because France will try and play from their own 22. And France will try and just chuck the ball out from deep, as they did a few times. And France had a habit of knocking it on or throwing forward passes or, you know, just losing the ball or trying a pointless little chip from their own heart. As we saw with um, uh, Tranduke in the first half yeah. for the first try, for the Canadian try. They had a habit of just trying stupid things, this, this French team, yeah. because they're talented, so they try yeah. and do, use those talents. And they've been back to do so, yeah. Yeah. And so he built a strategy around that, and it accidentally was how kicking become the case. Yeah. Because he went, I've got a really fit team, I've got a really hard-working team, how do I get the most out of them and try and limit France and try and force them to play from deep? And he built this strategy around momentum. And it worked. Yeah. Like, it really worked for Canada for most of the game until they got tired and frustrated and Jamie Cudmore started diving off his feet and runs. Yeah, precisely. I was going to say, do you want to talk a bit more about Ander Munro generally? Because... I would absolutely love to talk more right, about Ander Munro. Okay. Because I'm just going to lay down my thoughts on Ander Munro's game. Because as a, as a quick giveaway, he's somebody I have in contention for Man of the Match. And... <sighs> I have no idea whether or not he played brilliantly or was just pretty, like, ropey. I have no idea what he was. But he clearly, he was playing a different game to everybody else here. Yeah. He was seeing a completely different match to the other, you know, 29 players was, on the pitch. He was playing a different sport. Yeah, 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 he was. He absolutely was. Uh, so it starts off that 11 minutes into the game, he misses a drop goal, which I'm not really yes. sure why he went for. But, you know, it's fair enough, like... It's so well struck, though. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It is. It's and such I'm a... And I'll get on to this in a minute, my thoughts on his drop yeah. goals. I did as well. But he, he strikes it really well. Yeah. Without much time uh, to Don't get it. me wrong. Like, I get, you know, the score was, what, maybe 7 all, 7-10 at that point? Yeah, 7-10. Yeah, exactly. So, scoreline-wise, it makes sense. Positionally, it didn't make a lot of sense, but he gave it a pretty good goal. Oh, it, I, I thought it was over. He had plenty of room to go. And I like the fact that Canada went... And it's kind of tied into what I was saying about Kieran Crowley and accidentally working out this brilliant game. Or well, not accidentally, he was a very good coach. Yeah. He deliberately found a good game plan and it accidentally happened to be ahead of his time. Yeah. Ander Monroe going for that drop goal is very reminiscent of Gatlin's Wales in the last World, last World Cup. Of we're in this territory, we're mm. going to take the points. Sure, you know. sure. 
which kind of of this kind of yeah. And you know, but they they only tried they scored in this game despite having a few chances far deep within the French twenty two was from a bullshit bouncing ball. Yeah, yeah. So I like them go the moment they get down there, and also this French team, as we know, is mentally fragile. And if you put if you get six points ahead after what fifteen minutes, yeah, if that that's a statement. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. To just quickly stick on the the stuff Monroe did in the first half, when I was Mm. still trying to get to grips with, like, because at this point I was convinced, like, I don't think he's playing well, but I think the stuff he's doing is working. But (laughs) the first thing he does in the entire the the whole game is that both teams make a bit of a half break within the first passage Mm. of play, and Monroe then gets the ball and just passes it to nobody. And just throws it onto the floor. And I'm thinking, okay, this isn't going to go well. And I, it's weird because at the same time, I completely agree with your point that uh, his kicking strategy is somewhat ahead of 2011. But at the same time, yeah. I think a fly-off could not get away with playing like that these days. No. Like, it's it's so strange. But like I do think he plays really well. And then he brings out what I've described in my notes as the most 80s kick in history, about half an hour into the game. Do you know what I Go mean? On. Go when on. He's stood on halfway, you know, midfield in line with the posts. Yeah. And it just boots the ball and you think, okay, so that's going straight up in the air again. And it really like bananas round to Phil McKenzie on the left wing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I do yeah, know the yeah. kick you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. it bounces into touch. France eventually get the throw in. But I just think like, that's the... it's like he's just, got... he's in the change room beforehand. He's just watched a compilation of Jiffy playing for Wales. <laughs> And just go, sure, I'll do that. And it nearly works. I couldn't work out if that was a fluke or that was absolutely incredible. Not a clue. Because he, and I went back and watched that again because I wanted to see if I could get any inclinations that where that's what it's going for. Yeah. Because if it was, it's brilliant. And the execution is phenomenal because there's no way France could predict it because it doesn't look like a cross kick. It just kind of completely, as you say, bananas round. It's like a Hernandez banana clearance, but he said he does it kind of laterally round to his winger. It's brilliant. It doesn't quite come off, sure, but you give... It's a couple of inches off maybe Mackenzie regathering it. Also, right, briefly mention, for Mackenzie, the sheer form he was in this World Cup... Yeah, he was great, wasn't he? His unwillingness to die with the ball in contact was brilliant. And to consistently make way more metres than he they had any right to as a winger, hot, you know, being tackled by people several times his size. And again, like I said this on the previous episode of the Tonga Canada match, mm. but like he played against Fetu Vainakolo in that match yeah. as his opposite number who is and like you know he'd be the first to admit Fessy Vanicolo is stronger and faster than him and yeah. that's fine but he dealt with him well and played better than him there's a few times yeah. that Vanicolo, you know got the better of him and managed to shrug him off and stuff but he stayed in the fight the whole time and managed to eventually pull him down or at least slow him down and that's really all you can do is win and like Phil McKenzie as you, as you say he was on excellent form and like He's not the sort of player you, you look at and think he has the sheer talent, of, you know, like a Brian Habana or somebody like that. Sure, but yeah. And I'm sure he did admit he... that himself as well. Exactly, yeah. The way that he implies himself as a winger, he's he's just a brilliant just international class winger. Mm. And he played for Sale Sharks for a bit, didn't he? Uh, I believe yeah, yeah. that he uh, went London down Welsh very well there. As well, yeah, yeah. Of course he did. Yeah, and he was very good for London Welsh. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was just a player who applied himself brilliantly. And he played, played yeah. in the centres as well, but I didn't see as yeah, much yeah. of him playing in there. But he played, yeah, quite a bit of Canada in the centres as well. Yeah. By the next World Cup, he was playing lots of centre. Did he still make? Was he still there in the next World Cup? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Yeah, he's still. I think he's. I was still playing or just retired in the last year or so. Oh, fair enough. Um, oh, yeah, so he's, he did. he's playing MLR. Yeah. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. But yeah, no, he was a good player. Ander Monroe, however. So I have written down in the second half, Ander Monroe, more like Ander Hero. Uh... Because I don't know if we made it clear, like he's the Canadian 10. For some yeah. reason, when we're doing this podcast, I always assume that people know. Sure. Mo- like, like, it's only like 65% of the squad for the tier two players from 10 years ago. They don't. I get uh, that. Yeah. Ander Monroe is the Canadian 10 and he's a... He's a man who looked a bit like... He had a face like he was rendered in an N64 game. <laughs> yeah. Called like Under he Hero, a... which, is, which is an N64 game. Under yes, Hero. yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah he, was, he looked like his face was sort of just made of polygons. It was great. Yeah. Um, By the I'm way, a huge uh, fan of him. And Under Hero is the second worst pun one of us has written down. Because, of course, I inevitably have written down Damien Try when he scores a try. Yeah, I refuse to do that. Yeah. I absolutely refuse to, yeah. to write that. Yeah. Carly Ray, what did you have right. down? She, oh, okay. Sorry, <laughs> in my head she was whispering into my ear like sooty. Um, <laughs> she's been very quiet so far, hasn't she? Well, she said she would be. She didn't know anything about rugby. Oh, that's fair. She's enjoying it, though. Look at her yeah. smiling. She's grinning away. Yeah, she is. She's she's having a great she's time. She's happy. She's yeah. enjoying it. She played un- Under Hero on 64. She she loved it. She loved yeah. it. Uh, she wrote a full song about it. Yeah, did she? How does that one? Yeah, go? yeah. <laughs> and a hero. That's it. It's really short. That's, it's that's, a jingle. That's good it's more like a jingle. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good like a song. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah, thanks, Carly Rae, for uh, playing it. <laughs> did you know her first album, Tug of War, was written about the first thirty-five minutes of this game? Was it? <laughs> yeah, it's a concept album about this game. Okay. What was were there any tracks about, for example, uh, banana kick in there? Or sure, the penalty count. So obviously, tug of war reflects the game itself. Sure, but heavy lifting is very much about the the, the scrum and the preparation for the scrummaging. Sure, saw candy is the last track on the album, okay. and that is about the last five minutes in which Jamie Cudmore very you know shows kind of saw candy, sour candy, right? More okay. like. Yeah. Sour, yeah. yeah. And begins oh, just giving penalties away. Well done, Carly, right? Yeah. Hotel Shampoos, very much just about the Canadian squad being in New Zealand. Sure, just sure. Just stealing, stealing all the shampoo from the hotels. And there First was they commit famously a point where the Canadians got into a huddle and started talking about the hotel shampoos uh, instead of the last yes. call. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just made a mistake. They just got carried away. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Lawrence Delario took that as a thing to talk about Canadians for the next 10 years. Well, the matters, of course, ties in with the travelling nature of a World Cup. Sure. Sunshine on my shoulders was for a high tackle. Probably by Cudmore. Tell me, again, again, line-out calls. 
yeah. money in the ego was DJ Vander Merwe taking too much on himself because he plays for Glasgow. Yeah, of course, and had blonde hair. That's yeah, cool. and then the first song's about having a hole in a bucket, isn't it? Yeah, it's just called Bucket. <laughs> I, I mean, this one was very much, absolutely, definitely, um, the bucket's a metaphor for Francois Tranduc, who keeps just holes keep popping up in his bucket yeah. and the bucket is his chance of being selected for the World Cup final when they get there yeah. and the holes are all Morgan Parra yeah, Morgan exactly. Parra's just being a twat and <laughs> drilling holes in his bucket Yeah. also firstly thank you for talking on behalf of Carly Rae about what her first album's about sorry I've just mansplained Carly Rae to her you, you have yeah but... she's going to write a song about that now yeah her next album is about the first 35 minutes of this podcast episode <laughs> If she can do a side B for that, which is about the second. Yeah, I hope so. In which we're going to talk some more about Ander Munro. Mm. Let's talk about the fact that, I mean, for the record, my notes for this game have so many question marks all over them. When Claire scores his try, there's loads there. When Smith then scores his try. When Munro misses that kick. And then when Munro gets his kick at the start yes. of the second half, he gets a drop goal, which, you know, they didn't perfectly prepare for, but he just no. strikes it so well that it goes over. And you think, fair play, that's a beauty. So my favourite thing about Andy Monroe is how aggressively he strikes his drop strike, sorry, his drop goal attempts. Yeah. Because it looks like he's furious with the ball. Because he sort of, again, he, take, he doesn't take any time over it. It's passed to him as though he's going to normally do a little dink or he's yeah. going to, you know. I thought both times when he goes to the drop goals, he's... He's hanging the ball up. Yeah, yeah, me too. I could never tell which one he was going to go for. No. And instead he just thunders a drop goal attempt towards the post. And both times they go through. Well, he must have missed two kicks as well, didn't he? Drop goals. He certainly missed that one in the first half. I have a feeling he missed missed one in the second, didn't he? No, he missed one and then he nailed two in the second half. Right, okay. The first one one. is great. The second one, he just sneaks over. Yeah. Should we talk about the second one? Because what the hell happens there? He, he just because he's caught sort of in the corner off balance basically and he so, really aggressively hits the drop goal so what what happens in the second one is you know for any young kids playing i mean why would you be listening to this podcast but for any young kids you're always taught if the ball's bobbling around on the floor well, they listen to the you, podcast because their favorite pop stars on it that's fair that's fair dragging in a load of listeners um yeah when the ball's bobbling around on the floor the first thing you do is you dive on it, don't you? You know, sure. You don't, you know, put your foot on it. You don't try and scoop it up one hand and like Brian O'Driscoll. The most sensible thing to do is to just dive on it. Andy Monroe yeah. took this and instead thought, no, 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 I'm just going to score a drop goal instead. <laughs> but literally, it's what he does. The ball is bobbing around on the floor. There's one play- French player trying to dive on it, and there's one Canadian player trying to like rake it back with his foot, or it might be the other way around. I can't remember. Andy Monroe just puts both hands on the f- on the ball, holds it really low, and just drop kicks it and you think like yeah. what's he doing like why would he do that he's just kind of messing about you know going for a drop goal when he's had no time to prepare for it it's basically from the floor like he's taking a place kick he's not had any time to swing his leg back because the ball's so low to the ground and it's hang on a second he's scored and both times with Canada having fallen nine points behind at half time those kicks put him back within seven yeah he knows when to put them back within seven and then also Francois Trondoup then nails a drop goal not long after his second, which feels like a weird option, considering France was sort of going forward and working with it. But I love drop goals, so who cares? Yeah. But yeah, I frankly, I think drop goals are massively underused. I am amazed more coaches don't build game plans around drop goals. Yeah, of course. It amazes me that it's been 
genuinely about a decade since we last saw a major team whose entire strategy was drop goal based. Yeah. yeah. Like it just doesn't happen. No. And I don't know why, because yeah. they're such a cheap free points. They are. And, they are. and you're... So at that point, Canada literally drop the ball and profit three points from it. Yeah. That's, exactly. That's how cheap a three points it is. That they've done but nothing to deserve it. That. Takes it is brilliant. Such it's great, no, it takes an incredible moment of skill. It yeah. does. You yeah. can't say they don't deserve it because skill now. they still had to get it the same as anything else. Exactly. Exactly. Good old skill now. Yeah, I I love Andy Munro. He has become my favourite player because he is just a drop goal addict and he yeah. needs them pumped into his veins very regularly as well. Yeah. And it's nice to just see yourself reflected on screen, you know. It's yeah. nice to see such a relatable story as someone who's just addicted to drop goals. Yeah. And he probably got a real kick out of, no pun intended, out of Franco Trandukes <laughs> as well. I was, yeah, going to say. So Trandukes was actually pretty well set. Um, yeah. I was actually very yeah. surprised they actually went for it because mm. it's weird because often I think when you're the tier, tier one team and you're taking the drop goal, people almost look at it like you're admitting defeat at that point. And you're yeah, saying like, fine, exactly. we need to take these three points to actually beat this so-called lesser team in inverted commas. Yeah. And it's not like, you sometimes see people say, you know, when they kick a penalty, it's like, oh, it's a mark of respect for the tier two nation. Yeah. It's not like that. It's like a, ah, oh, they're shit, they're bad, haven't they? They're going for a drop goal. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's like, well, they know they need three points desperately to try and get ahead. Yeah. And at this point, bear in mind, France only had, you know, the one try on the board. So yeah. it's not like, you know, sometimes if you've got three tries, there's a bit of daylight between you. You can take the extra three points just to build momentum sort of thing. Yeah. No, they needed that three points because that took it to... 25-16 then Canada's got a penalty to get back within 7 again and Canada were properly putting pressure on them you know yeah. like they, they looked like scoring points even if not a try whenever they got downfield thanks yeah. to Monroe twice in a row nailing drop goals and going for that other one as well which was which looked like it was going over you know it's yeah. probably narrowly quite wide we didn't see a view from behind the post or straight in front but I felt like it was yeah yeah then France from 60 minutes or so onwards start to get a few more attacks and manage to go wide yeah. a bit. As you say, Memoz and Marty both have very good games. And both when they had time on the ball, which is very capable of breaking the line. And there was a point about 60 minutes where Canada just looked very tired, but managed yes. to hold France out on their own try line. And uh, I yeah. think it was O'Toole or maybe Kleberger managed to get the turnover. And yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's just, you don't often see that. You know, it would be so easy for them to just roll over. And I know that you don't want to do that because it's international rugby or whatever. But... From how when tired they were, knackered, yeah, yeah, and you're facing a team you almost more skillful yourself and better prepared, than thinking you. you're working hard enough when you yeah. could work that little bit harder. But no, they they managed to step it up another gear, it's which it's is a so great turn of by at all, yeah, at all. Who okay, yeah. because he became a joke and he had such a bad time at the Ospreys, you yeah. know, he's played played three games. Uh, infamously, was held up over the try line at what should have been a walk in against Treviso on his debut, and. Because he kind of shat the bed when given the chance at pro level, people forget how good he was for Canada. Yeah. yeah. And for about two years, he was, he was on good form, one of their real stand up players. Yeah. Yeah. And then he remained a solid enough player for a year or so after that as well, before he kind of packed it in. Uh, but he was a good player. He was yeah. a good seven and a proper like breakdown specialist. And, and competitor. he'd worked himself, you know, he'd tied himself out. Uh, then bringing yeah. on Nanyak Dala, who I said earlier, you know, very good sevens player. They He worked also, very well. Yeah, came on. they also at about fifty minutes. Shepherds cook Jamie Cudmore because he was yeah. giving him too many penalties. Yeah, which again, I think is a good idea. Yeah, you know, like yes, he's you kind of need him in the team for edge and grunt and whatever. But and I feel like the job's kind of been done. Most experienced player, 
in this well, play. Yeah, he is. It's him and DT Thunderbird are the two players who are consistently playing European standard rugby. But as I say, Tyler Hodson, good line-out forward, you know? Exactly. You can't really go yeah. wrong bringing him up. And by that point, the job you want Jamie Cudmore doing, which is being an enforcer and a grunt and, you know, sure. and letting the French team know that they're no mugs, you know? Yeah. Like, he got really in their face. He Yes, he gave away penalties, but that French team felt like they were in a game. Yeah. You know? And he, he got that message across. He did what he had to do. And then they brought him off at 50 minutes, knowing he can't do any more damage by giving away stupid penalties. Yeah. So it was a frankly great decision to... Obviously, you start him because he's you know, one of your best sure. players. But regardless, it's a bit of management to go, we're going to put this guy in so that the French get the message that we're a serious team. Yeah. And then we're going to replace him before he can... Before he begins to tire and, you know... The whole thing Erasmus talked about a lot, that you make worse decisions when you're, you know, the brain's lacking energy and so on. And in Jamie Cudmore's case, that means he's just going to actually punch someone. Yeah. And I genuinely can see a different version of this game where he plays another five minutes and gets a red card and the game falls apart. Yeah. Like... Maybe I can see that every game Jamie Cudmore ever plays. I can see sure. him getting a red card at any moment. They did. But... I think they did use the bench very well, Canada, actually. There's yeah. Sean White managed to inject a bit of pace playing scrum off. Yes, he did. Bench. He was yes, good. Yes, he did. He did have that one grubber kick which went completely backwards. But I like that as an option. Yeah, I yeah. like that because it was if, face in. And it was a, if and he it managed to get anywhere, a few face in a row. With it, then yeah, it would he have then been, hits a... If he managed to actually get it into the corner. And, but I mean, considering, considering he is... Possibly the best known snowboarder of all time. Of course, you're yeah. expecting him to do better. Yeah, yeah. And the thing in the video well, game, the fact that he's been parachuted into this team of ice hockey players to yes. to snowboard instead, you know, yeah. it's difficult. It's I know. I don't know why Lawrence Lely wasn't talking about that. He wasn't going well. They've got a really, really talented Winter Olympian on the bench. Sure, but you know, much as Heather, I've forgotten her surname, who played for the Canada women's team for years. Who was an Olympic winter gold medalist? I'm not sure. No, but she was great. She was a very good, uh, yeah, back free player, and right. also, you know, won gold in the Winter Olympics. Heather Moyes, Heather Moises, oh, right? No, I'm not sure. Anyway, yeah, but Sean White. I should clarify, it isn't that Sean White? Because I've realised, as I say, people listening to this podcast forget that Canada had a scrum off on the bench who shared the name with the possibly the most famous snowboarder of all time, who was active at the same time. People would believe that actually a snowboarder came across and played a couple of games off the bench for Canada. Yeah, I think they probably would, wouldn't they? Like, I feel like sometimes we've got to clarify these are bits. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, at one point in my notes I wrote Phil Mack instead of Phil McKenzie as an abbreviation of realised actually Canada would go on to have a player called Phil Mack for years. Yeah. Yeah. Should we now move on to Damian's try. Please, please do. So, it's quite a frustrating try to watch because, as I say, like, Canada have risen above their tiredness at this point. Yeah. And France managed to work an overlap uh, and find try with Claire outside and try dummies yeah. and cuts inside and so, then breaks two tackles, which you you can't blame straight, the winger for, for drifting no, off is the annoying thing. Straight before... Aurelian Rougerie hits a really nice line, taking the ball, mm-hmm. uh, and managed to get kind of onto the outside arm, outside shoulder yeah. of the last Canadian defender, which puts try through. And it was the moment I realised Aurelian Rougerie was playing. Yeah, he did play well when he did get the ball, but he was just... I genuinely hadn't noticed him until about no, there, or maybe like two minutes earlier. He he had a couple of moments where he made half breaks in the first half, but I, yeah. Maybe I wasn't paying close enough attention. I think he was maybe I should be doing podcast. by being on the wing, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I, I agree. 
second half, he started getting far more involved and bringing himself. I don't know if they moved him into the centre, but he started appearing in midfield a lot. Yeah, I, th- I think he stayed on the wing the whole game, but uh, until mm. he got brought off, obviously. Until he got, yeah, yeah, for Maida. Yeah. But yeah, so he hits a really nice line and puts it on to try. Who, yeah, he, they've got Claire outside him, and the fullback and the winger both make the same decision and drift onto Claire. Yeah. And I don't know if it just needed communication or if it was just a simple error, because it looks quite easy. And you've got it the, does, the it? far side winger tracking across and try steps him in that way. It's very easy to do when someone's moving with that momentum in one direction. Yeah. It's quite hard for them to readjust and quite easy to, to beat and to step them. Yeah. And he runs it in from distance. Which is a shame, but you kind of needed someone... Try was notorious for being the most sensible player in that French team. Yeah, yeah. So they probably needed him to be the guy to step up. It was yeah. him or Para, really, wasn't yeah. it, as the without Dussetois. Then should we just look at the other French tries while we're here? Sure, yeah. So Vincent Clare scores his second try once Yashvili's come on. I love the finish of that. Yeah. I love the finish. Yeah. So it's a scrum five, yeah, and or scrum near the line anyway. It's about scrum five. Yeah. Five. And yeah, they throw this long looping pass, and Claire has started from about the 22 meter line and gives himself all the time in the world to sprint onto it. So by the time he takes the ball, yeah, at, you know, seven or eight yards out from the line, he is at absolutely full pelt and he's able to pick where he's diving, pick his line, and finish the try. That's exactly what you and want there's to nothing, to yeah, it's... there's nothing, any, despite the fact that he was, you know, Phil McKenzie was probably a bigger lad than him. Yeah. There was nothing he could have done to stop it. It's what Van Zyl is so good for, because, like, again, like, he was fast, he was strong, but, like, you know, you wouldn't call him, again, a Brian Abana or a Jonah Lohman, would you? He was just so well-balanced, and he did all of these little things that eventually adds up to the one percenters of finishing tries. He did all those things so well. His finishing instinct was the best thing about it. Phenomenal. And he was one of the best finishers in the last 20 years, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, he's top try scorer in basically every competition he's ever played in. Yeah, like there's a reason for that. Absolutely, or at least you know, is top three in all of them. Yeah, he's top in the pro fourteen. Top, top, sorry, yeah, top in the top fourteen. Uh, I think he's second in Europe. Mm. I think he's then top of France. It's just you know, he was a top try scorer in this World Cup, joint with Chris Ashton. Yeah, who was the only man ahead of him in Europe. Yeah, he's just consistently brilliant. Yeah, because all he knew how to do was to finish tries and. Yashvili read his line brilliantly by putting that pass yes. in for him. Uh, and there's so much trust there from the scrum half for the winger to run onto that ball and finish the try and read it perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I know that it's such a standard thing for a three on two. And that was basically just what the try was. It was just a standard three mm. on two finish. But Yashvili, the way he weights that ball is so spot on. And so Yashvili's yeah. barely been on at this point, you know? Yeah. Yashvili was great off the bench, I'll add. He was. Yeah, he, he was. Phenomenal. He doesn't change the game as such but he just makes France look like a serious team yeah you know and before that Parra's a very good player and I like Parra Parra had a very good game I think he he did make a few errors but I do think he had a good game but then he moved to Tenny he looked slightly lost Uh, so again I (laughs) I wonder what that was yeah yeah but Yash really 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 made up for that and France kicked off nine a lot in this game regardless of who they had but I think when Parra moved to 10, as I say, like it wasn't quite working out for him. But Yashvili really managed to take the pressure off and just complete. And there was somewhat interchangeable as well. There were a couple of times where Parra stepped out at 9 yeah. and Yashvili at 10. I noticed that. And that worked I quite nicely. That. Yeah. yeah. I, I love an interchangeable 9-10 axis. Oh, you Frenchman. <laughs> then should we move on to Van Tocler's last try? Sure. Which is in the last minute. So that try was on 78 minutes 20 or something. Uh, Yashvili then nails the conversion from the corner. Yeah. And there's just about time for the restart, and France go into full batshit mode. Yeah, but so, good batshit, like proper batshit, like French French flu. France finally managed to capitalise on the 
quite tired Canadian D. So Maxim Men Mars makes a break and does a really lovely offload to Harren Ordeke, who managed to get up. And fair play, I think it's James Pritchard gets back and makes the tackle on Harren Ordeke, which can't have been easy at that point. <laughs> and again, it was just, they just had too many numbers over. I, I'm not sure who, mm. who was it. Was it Try gave the pass back inside to Claire? Or I think it's Try. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Try. Yeah, and it's just lots of nice passing. It's yeah. lovely, isn't it? It's a French team linking up properly. It's cruel. In the way but... you'd expect them to, and in the way, frankly, they did in that last 10 minutes against Japan as well, where they really went off the, yeah. ran away with the game. Absolutely. In this World Cup, that was. Yeah. Well, yeah, they just went, no, nah, we're just going to flick a switch now, and they're instantly brilliant. They just kind of flick into being, oh, 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 oh. there's my noise for offloading. Isn't it mad how they scored 46 points and only got the bonus point in the 83rd minute or whatever it was? I know. They scored 46 points and they looked shite. Yeah, I know. And like, well, it's, it's funny because they weren't that dreadful, but they just didn't look like world beaters, did they? They didn't no. look like they would, you know, maybe go to the final. They looked like they could hypothetically, you know, lose to another they team. They looked like a quarterfinal team. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it was. it's very difficult to gauge where either of these teams are at, to be honest, because Canada <laughs> yes. did play well. I'm not sure I'd go as far as saying they were the better team. but no. And I think this is a better French team than the one that started against Tonga. Yeah, it is, undoubtedly. Yeah. Yeah. Despite so like this very spot. easily could have been the upset. Yeah. Like, I think there's a world in which this is the game. If they'd rested a couple more players, I think this is the game that they lose. Yeah, agreed. And I can see them. I could have seen them losing this game. And to be honest, way it, it panned out. There's just a couple of positions where it's like they can rest people. and They just have too much depth to lose the yeah. game. You know, like in the back row, yeah. the fact they brought on Phil Jones, uh, Rodrigo, and like, he's a good player to have in. You know, Aaron Ordi on the bench, Picamol as another player they're bringing on. Like, they've just got too much depth there. Whatever scrum off you pick, as long as it's not Doosan. You're yeah. fine, you know. You're sorted. Yeah. So, but they won't pick Dusan. You know, he he won't play no. at all. Well, they've got he's t- definitely not in the final. They've got time. They've got, they've got time to blood him, man. Exactly. They've got loads of games before. They, the they final. must have as well. He, they, he must have had a time in the warm up games to to play. I no, 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 no. Because he didn't. Because that was the thing. He yeah, they didn't for some reason. He oh, sat okay. on the bench and didn't come on. Yeah. So, oh, France. But surely that's just going to be the way. They're just going to you know. Yeah, they're not going to. It's fine. They've got loads of. They're not going to. It's loads of time. There's, there's no rush. There's no rush no. for the World Cup final. The, do you want my metaphor for this game? Sure. Bear in mind my last metaphor for France against a tier two nation was 20 minutes on Uncle Boom Me who can call his past lives. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Instead, Vincent Clair provided the perfect metaphor for this match. Mm-hmm. Right away. In the first minute of the game, right, France begin to spread it wide. They get it to Vincent Clair. He beats his man. He steps back inside. He then realises there's loads of other defenders in his way, so he begins to run sideways. He loses five metres, then he falls over. <laughs> then he scores a hat-trick. Yeah, then he scores a hat-trick, yeah. But that felt like the game, in, you know, he beats he beats a defender, they've made some yards, but then he goes backwards and falls over. That's that's about France. That's about France in this World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last thing I'll say before, I presume we're going to move on to a closing segment yeah. in a bit. Uh, last thing I want to say, there is a point, about 50 minutes, where the cameras show... Somebody in the crowd is holding up a banner that says, Save a beaver, eat a frog. <laughs> okay. Is that Stephen Donald advice? Yeah, I was. I, I, the first thing I thought of was like, this is foreshadowing that Stephen Donald will get called up from white baiting somewhere. You gotta and save beat that beaver. the French. And beat the French. And eat the and frog. And beat the French. Eat the frog. Exactly. There's a guy it cuts to on full time after that last French try, or after the conversion's just gone over. There's a guy in the crowd who's just holding a massive inflatable frog and looking sad. 
I was like, that's great. That's my new favourite French rugby image. And it's probably like it's bigger than his head, this inflatable frog. And he's just sort of holding it like in a normal t-shirt, just kind of looking confused and upset. Oh, that's sad. However, he is not my man of the match. He is not my dick of the day. We shall instead move on to that. I want to begin by asking Carly Rejepson, do you yeah. have any nominations for... Should we start with Man of the Match? Let's start with Man of the Match. Sure. Carly Ray. Oh, that's really interesting. Oh, okay. I think her mic's turned off. I didn't hear what she said. What was it? Just reiterate it for me, please, Robbie. Oh, I... Okay, now do you want to say it again, Carly? Do you get it that time? No. Okay, okay. One one last time, and you'll definitely, definitely hear it this time. Okay, Because okay. she's not doing it. She's not doing it a full time. Okay? I think that's a really interesting shout, to be honest. I wouldn't have said it myself, but I think it's really quite interesting. Okay. <laughs> so, what about you? What about your man of the match? Uh, my man of the match. I mean, as I say, Andamon Rowe is certainly up there. I have no idea yeah. if he played well. But he's definitely in man of the match contention. Claire scoring three tries. Pickamore was the official man of the match. Okay, oh, okay, I can see that. Yeah, but I'm just going to give it to for the sake of when Canada were getting into the game, the most consistent player for France, mostly at set piece and also breakdown, Julien Bonner. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just think he just generally is just not really a player who ever does it, does much wrong, and he's just really crucial to the backbone of a side who makes sure that they actually pull through and win games like this. Uh, I'm aware that he did play in the later game, which they lose. But no, I just think he, I just think it was great. He was just quietly very good at everything he did. And I think I maybe decided about 20 minutes into the game, I just have a feeling Bonaire's going to be man of the match. And he just very gradually proved me right, even if he had a period of 10 minutes or 20 minutes where he went missing in the middle. But yeah, I'm going with Bonaire. Yeah. As you... As you say that, I suddenly realise it probably is Julian Bonnet, mm. and I might have to give it to him now. Um, I think you, I think you're probably spot on. Yeah. Who, who's, who else? I, I had Vincent Claire highly in contention. Claire. Yeah. For being consistently sniffing around, uh, also for the moment he goes over the advertising hoardings. Of course, of course. <laughs> James oh. Pritchard kind of, so James Pritchard kind of nudges him over as they basically blows him. Ball. Yeah. And he knocks Vance Claire over the advertising hoardings. And I had one of those moments where the really? ball goes out. You know when the ball goes out, right? And you kind of look down and pick up your phone. Yeah. And I kind of did that. And I looked back up and was like, hold on, hold on. They just knocked Vance Claire over the advertising hoardings. At which point, Vance Claire's head kind of pops up. Like from behind the advertising hoardings. He looks both directions in this really innocent, cartoony way. <laughs> so like, like a whoop, diglet. Whoop. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Popping out the ground. I, it was just a great moment of physical yeah. comedy. You say he was flipped over the advertising hoardings. He jumped over the advertising hoardings. Sure, he was knocked off balance and then he jumps over yeah. and kind of falls. Yeah. And for some reason, Canada are penalised for it. Yeah, which is a shame. But It's before the team can step in and go, no, they're just being dicks. Play on. Yeah, yeah. Um, However, yeah, my other guy in contention, uh, and the other guy I was going to give it to, but I think I am now going to say Julian Bonaire, was, oh, am I? Uh, Andy Monroe. Andy Monroe, Fair. because he is my new hero. And I know I gave him Man of the Match last time for the most aggressive, pointlessly aggressive performance by a fly half ever. Yeah. But I loved him. I loved the way he played. I thought the thing that kept Canada in the game was the kicking game. So him and Fairhurst deserve yeah. a huge amount of credit. And Pritchard as well. Huge amount of credit for that. He then hits three drop... Well, he hits two drop goals and goes for a third. And anyone, anyone deserves attention in my book. 
if you try that. Yeah. So, you know what? No, Andy Munro. I'm going to go Andy Munro. Okay, okay. Uh, now we're going to go to our 18 lawyers and ask what each of their man of the matches were. <laughs> They're not allowed to say dick of the day for re- legal reasons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're not to clarify that. No. Yeah, let's go dick of the day then. So, do you want to start or should I? Sure, sure. So, I have two real contenders. One of them I just mentioned in man of the match contention, which is Vance on Claire. Because at one point, Andy Monroe, funnily enough, hangs this really good high ball into the French 22. Mm-hmm. And there's two Canadians chasing and just Vance Claire's directly positioned underneath it. And normally, do you know what you'd expect a player to do in that situation? Maybe catch the ball? Yeah, you'd at least try and catch the ball. Sure. Vance Claire instead kind of just like, you know that thing, right? When like a kid is learning to kick the ball and their dad will pretend to be goalposts and like yeah, hold their yeah, arms yeah. up. Like a you know angle so that yeah acting like the goalpost. Vance Claire does that. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of just holds his arms up, and the ball just ricochets off his shoulder into touch. I missed that. So you could have you could have tried. Yeah. Similarly, as well, Ed Furhurst at one point, James Pitcher goes to take a high ball, and he does the proper jump to claim it. You know, tucks it into his chest. Yeah. And Ed Furhurst is like seven or eight meters away, and he does exactly the same thing, but he doesn't catch the ball. <laughs> He just jumps, gets bring it into his chest, and realizes he hasn't got the ball, and it's over there with his teammate. You start running with it. <laughs> yeah, is that William Webb Ellis? Yeah, yeah. He just grabs, picks it, and runs with it. Exactly. However, the the moment for me that I felt was the, the I the moment it happened, I wrote down what happened and Dick of the Day. Yeah, and I figured I I have a feeling because I've done the exact same thing with my nominations. <laughs> okay, so... do you want to go for yours? I'll read out the one that's not getting it first, and then you can do okay. yours. We'll alternate like that. So okay. there's a point where Morgan Parra... Yes, this is it. Yeah. Has the ball at the base of a ruck, and then just picks the ball up to pass it to somebody who's running on a, like, a short line to him. And he just throws it over their head like he's Brian O'Driscoll, doing the um, you know the overhead pass with Shane Horgan, mm. like he's doing that, and then goes and collects it at the other side. But obviously he's been swarmed by Canadian defenders. But- he he doesn't do it deliberately. No, no, of course he not. He accidentally lobs it over the guy's head. Pass. Yeah. You made it sound like, yeah, he just no, he chucks it over the forward's head, runs round and dives on it to regather it. Yeah. yeah. And just like loses he accidentally five passes to himself. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, it's unbelievably shit. And I had that written down as automatic dick of the day the moment I saw yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I wrote that down and just wrote DOD. Uh, however, yeah. for the sake of being different, I'm, I've got another one, which was uh, about 68 minutes or so into the game. Canada have a scrum about 10 yards out from the French goal line. At this point, France have that safety blanket of the Damien try, try. Mm. And Carpenter picks and goes from the back of the, the scrum and makes quite a lot of ground. Do you know why he makes quite a lot of ground? I'm Go on. Carry. Francois Tranduc, playing 10, looks at him and then just kind of goes, nah, and just drifts off <laughs> when he's running into him. And honestly, like, if he just stood his ground, he would be able to knock Carpenter over. But he just decides yeah. he just can't be asked to make the tackle. So it just incredible runs away. It's incredible. Because 2010-2011 was pretty much the best period of Tron Duke's career. Yeah. Like, he went on to play for France a lot. He got recalled every few years. Yeah. And they bring him in and so on. But this was the period in which he was their number one fly half by a distance. Yeah. And the amount of just utterly shit things he'd pack into there. It was easy to miss at the time, five, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, he was one of the top five tens in the world probably at the time. Definitely. And 
Yet he would occasionally just do unbelievably shite things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, where did that come from? Why do I have no recollection of any of these things? And like, because overall, he was well known for being great. At that point, yeah, Paru and I think it's Aaron Aldiki have gotten back mm. to make a tackle from behind on Carpenter. And just kind of look at Trent and be like, thanks a lot for that. <laughs> yeah, he just well stepped done. out of the way. And just well gone, done, mate. Yeah, I'll think about the next phase. And then this guy's literally inches away from me. And he just <laughs> pisses off. So that that's deserved. That's yeah. deserved. Okay, I think so, it's a halfback combination. Yeah, Paris as your Tranduke. Yeah, Van Sonclair's very lucky to get away with this though. Yeah, yeah. for falling over under no pressure, for not trying to catch the ball. However, he got three tries. I felt yeah, it'd be harsh when Parra does something very dickish. Sure. Okay, is that as that's done? Pretty much. Yeah. I have one more thing that I'd like to talk about before we conclude the podcast. Okay. The other day, I was reading through some reviews that we've had on the podcast, and okay. there's one in particular that said, and I might, I might do this as like a semi, like a staggered feature that we do every now and then, right. is read one of these out. But one of them really, really took my attention. I really enjoyed it. So this submission on the review section. How, have you cleared this for the lawyers? Um, no, but oh, it's fine. We might have to cut it. Yeah, but... no, I'll, I'll see if Fermanisapola gets on my case. But <laughs> if, if we get away with it, we'll be fine. But this submission comes from Apple Podcast Review from A. Jacob Holt. Uh, and he okay. said, this is my favourite podcast to kayak to. Love to listen to this film <laughs> podcast as I go up and down the local waterways in my kayak. The occasional rugby content is also fine. Five stars. <laughs> Good. So, I hope, I, frankly, I don't think there's been enough film content on this. No, yeah. It's been quite rugby heavy, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's a few... <laughs> Funny enough, down towards like the bottom of the review section, there's a few that say, "Oh yeah, I really like Squidge's analysis. I think is uh, you know he really understands rugby. Very very funny." <laughs> but it's just like, yeah, you're giving five stars now. You don't you don't know what you're letting yourself in for here. But no, thank you to Jacob for leaving that review. Yeah, thank and you, Jacob. Anybody else who has done, I might read some more out as I go along. Uh, but it's heartily encouraged that you leave a review, and Jacob. You get it, my friend. You, you get it's it. Also, it's also hardly encouraged that you listen whilst kayaking. Yes, that too. That too. I, frankly, I think too many of our listeners don't listen whilst doing extreme water sports. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So if you do it on while doing extreme water sports or you know, however else you do it, wherever you're listening to ex- this, any extreme sports, tell... any extreme, you know, I believe Sean White himself listens to us yeah, he does. Whilst, while snowboarding. Yeah. And occasionally filling in at Scrum for Canada. Yeah, absolutely. But no, there are some of the brilliant reviews on there, which we, I might read out at some point as we go along. Okay. But that one, I thought, warranted reading out. Cause I saw that the other day and uh, I enjoyed that. So yeah, please leave reviews and tell every single person you've ever met in your entire life about this podcast. <laughs> Can you imagine people just tracking down their old school teachers? <laughs> <laughs> just saying, you know what? I really think you'd love this explanation of the Thai film Uncle Boom Me who recall his past lives. Yeah, I think yeah. everybody should do that whilst doing extreme sports. I completely agree with that and I think that's a good note on which to call it a day. Yeah. Join us again next time Psst. when the game... What? It's Italy against Russia. I know. I knew that. Just thought I'd let you know. No, thank you. Yeah, great. And now we're going to... And the game will be Italy against Vosha. Oh, nice. Please join us for some rugby chat. There will be at least four rugbys played in that game. Yeah. I haven't watched it back yet, but my main memory was Tommaso Benvenuti going ape shit. 
So <laughs> please join us for that next time. And in the meantime, I hope you enjoy the wall. The, the By Pink Floyd. Album. Yeah. yeah, sure. Good album. <laughs> yeah. Um, I hope you're having a great time. That was a hot take there. It was actually yeah. fair play. The Wall I mean, by Pink Floyd is a good album. Yeah, another brick in. More like another prick being you. I don't. I don't know why I said enjoy the wall. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> why did you say enjoy the wall? <laughs> I want to say like something different, and so I thought, what can you possibly enjoy? Were you trying to say wall? I I can explain it, but I'll explain it afterwards because I don't want to spoil anything for listeners. But it wasn't just I looked at my wall. I hope you're all having nice days. I hope at least four of you have eaten. And <laughs> yeah, I hope, I hope so. <laughs> just in your life, you know. And I hope most of you track down your school teachers. Yeah. And we'll see you next time when Italy will play Fusha. rugby. <laughs> bye. <laughs> Did you? Did you? Yeah, bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.